Today on Locked on Mizzou, let's talk about Tyler Beatty's draft stock. Let's also preview Missouri taking on the number one college basketball team in the Auburn Tigers tonight at Mizzou Arena. And by the way, I have maybe the craziest idea I've ever floated about sports into a microphone. So look forward to that coming up now. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And thanks for making this your first listen and thanks to Sonos for sponsoring today's program. Experience the game like never before with Sonos Arc the premium smart sound bar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more. Visit Sonos.com to learn more. And on today's program, well, number one, once again, great to be back from vacation with all of you. And got an email from longtime listener Jim wondering about Tyler Beatty's draft stock. And while it is awfully early to be projecting Beatty's draft stock, I have to admit, when you see that he's online his projections the best you can get fifth round it seems to be the consensus right now again a long way to go we still have the NFL combine the NFL season still underway still so much shuffling is going to be done by all 32 teams in terms of their rankings between now and then and especially once you get past the first round especially the first five ten picks the later you go in the draft obviously the harder it is to project any of that. But I would say, at the very least, I'd be stunned if he slid past the fifth round, quite frankly, because Larry Roundtree was a sixth-round draft pick last year by the Los Angeles Chargers, and with all due respect to the great Larry Roundtree, I just think Tyler Beatty is the better NFL prospect, mostly because of versatility. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, obviously, in addition to being able to run. The screen game, the, the wheel routes out of the backfield, the angle or, or Texas routes, if you will, if you perhaps prefer that nomenclature. But I think Beatty can actually possibly help out on special teams, too. He's done kickoffs before kickoff returning for Missouri in the past, and perhaps he's even a punt returner. Perhaps he could work on that, that bit of his game as well if a team needs that. But Obviously, I think at the very least, he's a really good change of pace, third down type running back in this league. And at best, I think he can be your starter. I really do. He showed that at Missouri last season. I mean, what more do you want to see? The guy carried the ball often 20, 25, 30 times in the toughest conference in college football. I mean, really, in terms of durability, he couldn't have proven much more last season to me. So the obvious question and the one that listener Jim asked me via email, by the way, LockedOnMizzou at gmail.com if you want to send me a note, the obvious question then is, well, why isn't he ranked higher? Well, I think unfairly enough, a lot of it is just about height. And I, to me, docking a running back in particular, if the best reason you have is, well, he's a little bit short, that's silly to me. And also Jim was maybe wondering, oh, maybe the, the trend now is towards bigger running backs. And perhaps there is some truth to that because the NFL, of course, the old cliche goes, it's a cliche because it's true. It's a copycat league. Well, 
certainly, who was the Tampa Bay running, running back last season? The Super Bowl champions for the Bucks. Well, that was Leonard Fournette. Certainly, he's a six foot one, you know, Mack truck of a football player. Same deal with Derrick Henry, who obviously the, was the starter for the number one seeded Tennessee Titans. So obviously, there's been a lot of success with that style of running back. But to me, once again, the shorter, short-ish running back who can catch the ball out of the backfield is one. If that's true, then once again, that is becoming an undervalued position. For whatever reason, if you're just not, if you're below six feet tall as a receiver, well, you get knocked. Generally speaking, that's not necessarily fair. I mean, look at what Tyreek Hill's doing. Obviously, a special athlete, but I don't know that Cooper Cup is the tallest guy in the world either. My point is there are lots of things to to factor in and look into with a football player, but if the best you've got, if the best negative you have is, well, I wish he were a couple inches taller, to me that's not that valid of a criticism. You've got to come back with something a little better than that, especially in a world where, again, you've got guys like Maurice Jones-Drew, the former Jacksonville Jaguar who was a very successful running back, for that team, for playoff teams even, for many, many years, as all of you play fantasy football, I'm sure you remember quite well. Another thing to factor in, too, even if Beatty only goes only, I say, in the fourth or fifth round, well, that's not necessarily an insult. Right now, frankly, running backs just aren't the most valued position in the world. Now, don't get me wrong, you need good running backs. The problem is, if you're a running back anyway, there's just a lot of good ones. For instance, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for the Chiefs, well, he went out for a while with injury, and frankly, the Chiefs didn't really miss a beat. His college teammate, Daryl Williams, did just fine, and then, well, he got a little banged up, and guess what? Jarek McKinnon, who had basically been on ice for the entire season, has kind of given the Chiefs a, a different gear, really. He's actually really good out of the backfield himself. In fact, Actually, Jarek McKinnon kind of reminds me of Tyler Beatty a little bit. Those two remind me of each other, I guess I should say. You know, is Jarek McKinnon might just be Tyler Beatty except a couple inches taller. I, I don't think that's that crazy of a notion. So to me, if I can get that kind of player in the fourth or fifth round, if I need a running back, if I need that type of player, that's pretty good value. But the reality is I don't think you'll see any running backs going in the first round this season maybe one, and that's kind of been the trend lately. So a lot of time the first running back maybe goes off the board and, you know, the 40th pick of the draft these days. So, again, all got to keep that context in mind. That doesn't. None of this means that Tyler Beatty won't have a good NFL career because if I were a betting man, I'd say he's going to have a really nice NFL career. And, no, speaking of being a betting man, well, Bet Online would like to wish you a happy New betting year as we continue the march through the NFL playoffs and beyond. Of course, college basketball very much underway. The Tigers giving about, or getting, I should say, about 14 points at home tonight at last check over at Bet Online. Can't say I'm going to touch that one. Going to be a tough matchup, but you know what? We got that preview coming up. Regardless of what you want to bet on, regardless if you're into hockey, boxing, maybe mixed martial arts, it's a new year. And Bet Online has a new updated website, the perfect place to go if you want to dip your toes into the wagering universe. Well, just go to Bet Online, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. When you use the promo code LOCKED ON, 
to get started. Once again, promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online, where the game starts. And once again, thanks for making Locked On Mizzou your first listen, and thanks for telling a friend that we are free and available on all platforms. And an exciting matchup tonight, hopefully anyway, certainly an exciting team, the number one team in the country, according to the Associated Press, the Auburn Tigers making their way to Columbia tonight. In fact, this is the first time in Auburn's history that it's been number one in basketball Could there be a little bit of a hangover after Saturday's big win over Kentucky? Well, we certainly hope so. By the way, Missouri has lost nine straight against the AP number one. Last victory? Well, Corey Tate's two-overtime buzzer beater beat the shot clock. That famous game against Kansas all the way back in 1997. Can you believe that was 25 years ago? I was there, A25, top row. Check out my fat self (laughs) and possibly the corner of that stadium if you ever check that game out on YouTube or something like that. But let's get back to current day, shall we? You know, Auburn definitely a very good team. I actually watched that entire Kentucky game. A real slow start by the Tigers, but the Auburn Tigers, of course, I mean. But you know what? Kentucky, obviously, as Missouri well knows at this point, a much, much better defensive team than Missouri, to to say the least. But I will say the one weakness maybe that I can see from Auburn is that their, their guards are a little bit on the small side. I'm not saying they're bad players. In fact, once again, Bruce Pearl is able to find some combo guards who can put the ball on the floor, shoot the three at you know at least a 35% clip. It seems like he can just always find those guys. So credit to Bruce Pearl for that. But at the same time, it does seem like their guards can be stifled just a little bit. And also Jabari Smith, who some are saying might be the number one overall pick in the draft. He's a true freshman. Sometimes he can be a little bit passive, and and if I were Bruce Pearl, I'd be getting on him to be more aggressive all the time because Jabari Smith is a truly, truly special talent, no doubt about that. I mean, he's kind of got the modern body and style that you want. He sort of reminds me, those of you who are NBA fans, or maybe you just love St. Louis high school basketball, Jabari Smith reminds me of Jason Tatum. Of course, he ended up going to Duke instead of Missouri gosh darn it, but Tatum, obviously a really good player for the Boston Celtics, and and like Tatum, it just seems like Jamari, Jabari Smith, excuse me, can get his jump shot off whenever he wants. He's just so tall at, at six foot ten, and he's just got a, you know, a smooth, smooth jump shot, smooth pull-up game to him. There's just very little you can do about it as a defender. If he wants to get off a jump shot, he's probably going to do it. That's all there is to it. And again, while I'm not totally thrilled with Katie Johnson or Wendell Green, I think they're good players, but since they're relatively small, to me, the real secret sauce of this team has got to be Walker Kessler, who's a a true seven-footer, by the way, transfer from the North Carolina Tar Heels, just played one year with the Heels last season. Boy, if you're a Heels fan, you got to be kicking yourself that that he got away because – There aren't too many agile seven-footers in the country these days, especially one who's a solid free-throw shooter 
and he can throw down a lob. I mean, he plays above the rim too. So he's far from a stiff. I mean, he he'll, he's a willing three point shooter at times. Doesn't doesn't shoot a real high percentage, but you at least have to come play him. So to me, he's the guy that allows Bruce Pearl to play his preferred style this season of pace and space. Basically, four guards out, one big guy in. He's a really, really good player, and by the way, statistically, number one nationally in block percentage, also ninth in two-point percentage, shooting over 60% from the field overall. So yeah, Walker Kessler is a big problem, especially for a team like Missouri that struggles against size, against guys who can really block shots. So to me, if I'm Conzo Martin, and if I'm a Missouri fan, which I am, by the way, if you haven't figured that out by now, Lord help you. But no, seriously, hopefully from our perspective, Kessler comes out and guards Trevin Brazil at the three-point line. I would just tell Trevin, Trevin, go stand in the corner, buddy, at least the first four minutes of the game or so. Let's see how what Auburn does with that because otherwise I'm not really sure how you counter Kessler's defense. He's such a good shot blocker around the rim and just a shot changer too as well but it's not as though he again he's an agile legit seven foot big man it's not as though you can just put him into high ball screens and expect him to get lost and start committing fouls and doing stuff like that in fact his hedges are really really good he knows how to get his big body in the way and then you know use his length and everything he's got physically and then he's smart enough with his timing to get back and quick enough to get back onto his man as well. So to me, I'd like to just take him out of the play. Hey, Trevin Brazil, go stand in the corner. And maybe if he guards Kobe Brown, well, well, great. Then I actually would try to get aggressive and take him off the dribble if I'm Kobe. But regardless, let's not let Kessler get in his comfort zone. Maybe it won't work, but listen, the number one team in the country is coming in. Again, I don't think Missouri's, not only have they not beaten a AP number one in 25 years, I believe that Corey Tate game, that was the biggest upset just in terms of Vegas lines in that amount of time as well. So a real long shot here. So what you got to do, you got to make Auburn uncomfortable. And to me, if you get Kessler out of his comfort zone as best as you can, I don't know if he has one defensively, let's find out. Let's at least get him out of the paint Maybe he'll get into foul trouble. Maybe we'll get fortunate. As we know, sometimes you get some home cooking in the SEC for officiating. So hopefully some of that will come Missouri's way after it certainly didn't come its way down in Tuscaloosa. And while I've certainly done my fair share of complaining about the officiating in that basketball game, the past couple episodes, well, to channel the Cold War, the Cold War kids and their hit song, The Complainer, I want to change this world. I must really believe in magic. I'm going to stand up and show them who I am. I'm not going to sit around and complain about it because I have some solutions. So let's talk about my solutions for better basketball officiating coming up, and it's got to be the craziest idea I've ever floated on this program. So before we get there, though, i got to tell you about Get Upside. Hey, Mizzou fans, This is John Miller with an incredible app, 
everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called Get Upside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up cash back. Don't pay full pl- full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Have you ever sat around and watched a pickup basketball game and thought, wow, this is actually in some ways more fun than a game with referees? And also, most of the time, guess what? The game doesn't devolve into warfare because there's a difference of opinion on a call, for instance. And yes, there are going to be differences of opinion. There are going to be arguments. But yet, somehow, they end up getting settled peacefully for the most part. Isn't that incredible? Well, there might be a lesson in there for all of life. But let's stick to basketball for just a moment. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand that occasionally, yes... Somebody will pop the trunk, as they say in hip-hop music, and yes, it will escalate into violence, an argument about something as silly as basketball. But here's the point. The game flows, doesn't it? Isn't the game almost more exciting without free throws? Have you ever noticed that? Well, I'm not saying we need to take free throws out of the game. I'm not going to go that extreme. But another thing you notice... A lot of times college basketball these days devolves into a who-can-take-the-most-charges contest, which, I don't know, to me it gets a little bit aggravating. Well, in pickup basketball, you don't see a lot of charges, do you? Also, one more point here before... I just want to set the table with one more point here before I actually get to my proposal. One of the great sort of mystery ball games of all time, legendary basketball games, was not seen on television or by any spectators, at least not by any paying spectators, and that was the scrimmage between the dream team. Michael Jordan had one squad, had one five, maybe six guys, and Magic Johnson had the other, and it was cutthroat competitive basketball with some of the greatest players in the history of the game, and guess what? They called their own fouls. Are you telling me right now that if that game happened to be on television, if there just happened to be some cameras there, that people wouldn't have been watching that? You're telling me that wasn't actually the best basketball of the 1992 Olympics? No, it wasn't the dream team against anybody else. It was the dream team against themselves without actual referees. So here's what I'm proposing. I'm proposing one referee essentially but that referee essentially stays out of the way because that referee is an arbiter that only comes into play when there is a huge disagreement when the teams on the court cannot come to an agreement now I know this is an incredibly radical proposal again I said coming into this I said this is the craziest thing I've ever said on this podcast but just take it in for a moment maybe take it in for the rest of the day and really think about what this would look like If both teams just called their own fouls, called their own out-of-bounds, well, number one, instant replay stoppages are immediately eliminated. So that's that's a big plus, right? 
all these sort of the cheap nonsense fouls that the NBA has done an okay job of eliminating where guys are just lunging into people at the three-point line and kicking out their legs and stuff like that. Well, magically in street ball, that kind of that stuff kind of polices itself, right? So again, I know that at a certain point, if if the NBA the the NCAA championship is on the line, if the SEC championship is on the line, there's going to be a dispute with 15 seconds left as to well, that was a foul. No, I didn't think I understood. That's why we need the arbiter. And yes, the arbiter can have a a monitor right in front of him or her going rewinding going back if they want to check something really quick but again not just constant game stoppages mostly just flow not a lot of charges not a lot of nonsense because again the guys are actually policing themselves and not trying to fool the referee so much of basketball and of course soccer and other sports is about trying to fool the referee now instead of actually playing the game so yes is this a radical proposal? Have I totally thought this 100% through? No, I haven't, but I have been thinking about it a lot lately, and I think it's something at least willing to consider. Let the players call their own fouls, and if there's a, a, a actual dispute that cannot be solved amongst the players, well, then you bring in the arbiter, and the arbiter has the final word. To me, that's better than the system we have now, but you know what? You tell me. Maybe you think we can actually get really good referees to to get to to officiate college basketball. I've yet to see any evidence of that. But hey, you know what I have seen evidence of of some really good podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. So thank you all for making this your first listen. But definitely all you Chiefs fans out there, you need to make Locked On Chiefs your second listen. They're coming at you five days a week right now with really, really excellent Chiefs content. I'm personally a huge fan of it, and I think you will be too. So until next time, I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.